Hey, what's going on here to their listener? Jason Banzoff here, producer for the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be playing you some great here to their episodes. Today, we're going to be digging back to March of 2021, and we're going to be talking with Greg Anderson and on why churches need support and recovery groups. Greg has a huge background in support and recovery groups, and I know Greg very well. Greg has served as the national training coach for Celebrate Recovery and also the Southeast Regional Director, and he has become the first national director of Celebrate Recovery in 2004. If you're thinking about support or recovery groups in your church, this is going to be a great listen for you. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picata. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Here to There, where we explore movement from our present reality to the preferred future that God has for us. Recently, I received a call from someone in our church whose wife had died, and he was struggling hard, and he asked me for a small group. And he asked for a small group that had someone else in the group that had experienced the same kind of loss. And I quickly recommended that he attend our grief share program, which is led by this amazing spiritually mature woman who'd been a widow for a long time. And this was her ministry that she um, does these classes for everyone who has lost a loved one. And I knew that this would help him find hope and healing through his whole process of grieving so much more than a typical small group. And I know that many churches that have small groups ministries like yours may also have one or more types of support and recovery groups, because we know that sometimes what group members need is well beyond what a regular small group can provide. Recovery groups for addictions, such as the 12-step program, Celebrate Recovery, Every Man's Battle, um, or support groups for challenging life circumstances like divorce, cancer, single parenting, infertility, grief share, they're just dozens, are so helpful um, to help people find healing and freedom and support during some of the hardest, toughest circumstances of life. And gosh, with a year into the pandemic, people are struggling uh, with emotional well-being more than ever. Um, and addictions and all sorts of difficult issues are cropping up all over our communities and are being exposed. And so the support and recovery groups we know are important, but they can be particularly challenging to lead. Um, the issues are more complicated, lots more layers, and people um, are in greater need of care and attention than a typical small group leader can do. So how do we do this? How do we start a group, develop or sustain a healthy, effective group support group ministry or recovery group ministry? So what are the unique challenges that this brings? How do you know if someone needs a support group versus a regular group? And also what can typical small groups learn from the values and dynamics that show up so naturally in support and recovery groups? So to talk about these issues on the program today is someone who has decades of experience in both small groups and in support and recovery groups. So Greg Anderson is an old friend and someone who always encourages me whenever I see him and those around him. So Greg, thank you so much for being on here to there. Hey, thank you so much, Carolyn. I, I want to say on behalf of the listeners, thank you for doing this because you've been doing this for a while. It has blessed so many in the small group Aww. universe. And thank you so much. 
well, okay, I told you he was an encourager. See, there you go. This is what he does. Um, and every year I've met, I've met Greg at the lobby. Um, he usually brings some people from his team there. And his team always is gushing about you, Greg, and how wonderful you are as a person, as a boss. And I know you don't pay them to say that. So what that tells me is that you're someone of high integrity and also high EQ, emotional intelligence to be able to lead a team and to be able to lead in both spaces, small group and support group, recovery group, like that that's unique. That's a unique feat. So I, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Greg. He's originally from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and he's been married to his best friend, Johnny, for 34 years. And they've raised three awesome kids and they have two awesomer grandkids, which I love how you put that. Um, <laughs> apparently, grandkids are the reward for um going through your, your kids. I'm looking forward to it. They're so great. Um, Greg has been in full-time church ministry since 1996 as a small groups pastor, most recently at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. And you were there for like a lot of years, I think. Thir 13 years. For yeah. 13 years, yeah. So faithfully serving there. He's currently on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Palm Beach County, Florida. So along with beginning a recovery ministry at his church in South Carolina, Greg also served as a national training coach for Celebrate Recovery in 2002, the Southeast Regional Director in 2003, and eventually became the first national director for Celebrate Recovery in 2004. So I think it's fair to say you're a veteran in support and recovery groups. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, I love the ministry of recovery. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I'd, I'd just gotten into it and, and uh, somebody came to me and said, oh, isn't that the hardest thing? Like, don't, don't these people just wear you out? Like these people, whoever these people are, don't they just wear you out? And I thought, what a weird question. You know, I am so refreshed by seeing God restore people's lives and, and, and give hope mm. in the situations that seem uh, just impossible. And uh, for me, recovery ministry has just been an enormous blessing for me personally and, and, and participating and helping lead others in recovery has been awesome. Wow. Okay. I have to confess, I was probably one of those people that said, isn't it exhausting? <laughs> so I'm really thankful that we have a, a recovery and support care ministry that uh, allows me to to um, stay on my side of the street with just regular groups. But I love I love your heart for that. And you're right. We we do get to see God work in remarkable ways when someone's coming out of such hard um, circumstances. So let's start, as um, I often do, with definitions. So we can be on the same page. Sure. So we usually use the term support and recovery sometimes as one thing, but are they really the same thing? How would you define it, Greg, a support group versus a recovery group? Or how would what's the best way to talk about that? Well, churches call groups different things. And I, you know this from small group world. They're life groups, care groups, koinonia groups, fellowship mm -hmm. groups. Uh, and so when a, a church is going to put a label on it, I, I think the essence is, are we going to have a group that helps people? It's really that simple. Uh, a lot of times a group will be geared towards discipleship or a missional group, or you know, we're going to work through a curriculum to learn the Bible or whatever. The whole point of a support group or a recovery group is to help people. Now, I, I would say if someone's going to a support group, they, they could kind of swim in that pond for a while and not really recover. In other words, some support groups are kind of, okay, you're mm. hurting, come here, we'll hurt together, we'll love you. Recovery group kind of implies we're going to make some progress. And so it, whether it's a 12-step mm. group or, or, or we're going we're gonna to move from, from here to there, you know. So in, in, in the recovery mm. world, a healthy recovery group is going to 
uh, apply that gentle, loving, compassionate pressure to let's move on. Let's don't stay stuck. Oh, it's interesting. Okay. But like, where would you put something like, say, divorce recovery um, group? Because we, I guess that is the, re- the recovery is in it. We call, happen to call ours divorce care. So it really has foot in both places. Yeah, if your if your group is called Divorce Care, that that probably tells me you're using the Divorce Care curriculum, which was put out by Church Initiatives, yes. I think, back in the '90s. So when there's a curriculum involved, sometimes a curriculum can help move the person through. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody says, "Oh, we have a divorce group at our church, and we don't really have a curriculum; we just use the Bible," well, the Bible's great; it's the Word of God, and the and the Bible right. brings healing. But a a person could stay in that space for indefinitely. So one, one of the things I really enjoyed yes. working with Celebrate Recovery is we had a clear pathway to move a person through a recovery plan. And then at the end, there was even a second mm-hmm. step of, now you can take somebody else through that path you just walked, or you can serve in another mm-hmm. ministry. Yeah. Okay. That's a really great distinction. So I, I don't want to miss this. Um, so the curriculum then can also be a defining thing. So that your distinction is so interesting between saying something as say, let's say uh, a single mom's group support group versus um, there's a, we have a curriculum for single, single moms and the special challenges they deal with. And the intentionality, you're right, is that they're going to be equipped and move towards something. Yeah. I mean, think about the word recovery. It's I want to go back to something. Okay, we, you don't recover from nothing. I mean, you're you're trying to move back to a place of wellness or health or spiritual. Right, right. You know? So that that's why the word recovery implies movement. The word support is like, you know, let's just be here for each other. And I, I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't use the term support, but I'm thinking, <laughs> the way you said that had like no energy. Let's just no. be here for each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's great there's great value in being together, comforting each other. You know, yes. let's let's support it. Let's pray for each other. I know support groups that just pray. That's all they do. They just pray, and that's awesome. So okay, so let me tease that out a little more. So support. So what's the difference then between a support group and like a typical small group? Okay, good question. Um, in a typical small group, now I, I like you know building in the five different purposes. You know, worship, evangelism, <laughs> fellowship, ministry. You know, in in a in a in a typical small group, you're going to build all of those in there. Uh, in a, in a support right. group, the primary focus of that group is going to be support, and it's not that you can't have the other elements, but the the the, hmm. the prevailing purpose in a support group is let's support each other, let's care for each other, let's love each other. Okay, the commonality is the crisis. The purpose of the group is to support you in the crisis. Support is an element of a typical small group, but support is the main course. Um, And the commonality is the main course for a support group. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you take your, uh, your couples group, I guess you and your husband are a couples group. Okay. So if you said, well, what all do we do? Well, sometimes we study the Bible together. Sometimes we do, uh, a mission project together. Sometimes we pray for each mm-hmm. other. There's these different elements and somewhere in there is support, but that's not the primary The right. primary reason you're getting together is because you've got a group of couples that are your friends and you've been friends for years. And so that, you know, that focus is really more on the fellowship. 
So in a support group, right. the focus is we're coming together for this purpose. And I'm huge on, you need to define the purpose of the group. If you don't define the purpose of the group, the group will define it for yeah. you. And if, if your group is all of a sudden defining right. your purpose, then it's like you're being hijacked. <laughs> so I think even using the language it would be helpful for our listeners um, to distinguish between the different types of groups so that they know what the purpose of their group is so they don't get hijacked. Okay, so here's, here's the tension I've experienced, Greg, over the years. Um, and it seems to come up more in women's groups than um, other mixed or married or other types of groups. It's where we're a regular small group. Say it's a regular small group of women um, and they're doing the five purposes or they're, you know, doing a number of different things, being the community of God together and discipling one another ish, ish, right? We hope. Um, but then one person goes through a crisis. They go through a divorce. Um, they go through a special needs situation with a child. Um, you know, something happens. That's or they have a, a elderly parent die. I mean, these are all situations that have happened. So someone does that, then it seems to then transition um, for a time into a support group for that person, and then that starts taking over a lot of the energy and time and focus for the group. And because they love this person, they um, the leader and others in the group want to care for them, um, but it also see, ends up being draining at times or people start leaving because it's it's not meeting their need. So what I, I, so I've told groups that their job is to be supportive without becoming a support group. Would you agree with that? Like, I, that's not a really, that's a very blunt way that I say it, but well, how would you counsel them? So I would want to have a conversation with the group leader because I think the group will live or die on the performance of the group leader. And I would say to the group leader, is, is this crisis that's going on in the individual's life something that the whole group needs to own in group time? It may be. And it may be that, you know, you know, Sally's just lost her husband. We're going to stop uh, our regular um, plan we do. And we're all going to pray for Sally. Uh, there, there may be an, an appropriate time for that. There also may be an appropriate time for the leader to say, hey, guys, um, tonight we're going to pray for Sally. And then we're going get, to get into our Bible study. But a, as we wrap up, uh, we just want to spend some special time with Sally. Or we're going to tomorrow night take Sally to dinner. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's, there's a real art to it. It's not a science. It's more of an art where the leader has to decide as I'm taking this group on this spiritual tour and, and the leader is the docent taking the, mm -hmm. okay, does the whole group need to go down the path of compassion or are we going to acknowledge that there's pain in the group and then we're going to respond right. to it on a more of an individual basis? So that's really where the leader has to be in tune with the Holy right. Spirit. What is God saying in the moment? Yeah, I love that. So you're saying be intentional. Don't let it just passively get absorbed by the highest need or crisis, but be intentional about creating space and time, which actually is far more honoring, I think, of that person. And sometimes, like you said, taking them out to dinner to talk with them maybe is far more effective than sucking up, you know, the regular time, a chunk of the regular time um, for that. I, Okay, so let's stay on the leader, because leader, I agree with you, is critical. I think it's even more critical for a recovery group. So let's talk about recovery groups. When you're looking for a leader for a recovery group, what type of leader are you looking for? And is it different? And how is it different than a regular small group leader? 
Well, I mean, you're asking the question I was asking in uh, in uh, the early or the early '90s, and all of a sudden, um, <clears throat> I realized, wow, you got some people that have sobriety in a particular issue, and some mm-hmm. people have a lot of Jesus but no sobriety, <laughs> and and it, <laughs> I realized um, the the balance has to be between sobriety, salvation, and I'll even use the word sanctification. Okay, is is there is there a moving mm-hmm. in the person's life towards healing and wholeness? Um, and how do you find somebody that has all those things? And as you're looking for leaders. exactly, Yeah, exactly. See, there's the conundrum. So as you're looking for leaders, you can't just say, well, well, Joe here loves Jesus. Now, he knows nothing about recovery, but he just loves Jesus. Let's put him in a room of alcoholics, <laughs> you know, or, the, or this guy's got sobriety, but he got it down a secular path. And he's not really into Jesus, but he's all mm-hmm. sober, you know. And so, ha- having having the the wisdom to find the people with a balance of sobriety, salvation, and sanctification, that's the key. And, and l- let me say this: do not compromise. If somebody's listening and saying, "Yeah, we want to we want to do this recovery ministry mm-hmm. in our church," and we're all ready, and we just the Lord has told us to do this. Okay, that's great, but do not compromise on your leadership standards when you're mm-hmm. launching a recovery ministry. That can be very costly. Have you seen have you seen that? The way you say that makes me feel like you've seen that happen in churches. Oh, it, it hurts. I mean I, I get choked up thinking about it because the enthusiasm is high. It's like, hey, raise your hand if you want to help hurting people whose lives are destroyed. All the hands go up and and everybody, you know, just in so in love with the Lord, let's help these people. But with with not, it, with, it becomes ready, fire, aim, <laughs> you know, and, and so you've mm-hmm. got to have a, a plan. So I, I, I will say to, to churches and enthusiastic uh, recovery uh, ministry launchers, uh, I, I will say to them, start small. It's not bad. Start small, mm-hmm. start healthy, and, and then grow big. But sometimes they, you know, they they see what's going on in other churches, and they want to just replicate that, and they have yeah. these grandiose uh, scale issues. And and so I, I really encourage them: Hey, find some people who have those qualifications of sobriety, salvation, and sanctification. Get them trained. You don't you don't just say, "Hey, we're going to launch next week." No, no, no. <laughs> Get them trained and then launch. <laughs> Yeah, so they're all S's, sobriety, salvation. In other words, and, and this is important because there, there's there's Christ-centered recovery, and then mm. there's just recovery. So like if you were trying to get a friend in a treatment center right now, you'd call and they go, oh, yeah, we have a spiritual track, and that's real common language, uh, especially here in South Florida. Oh, okay. Recovery is a huge industry. Oh, yeah, spiritual track? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, they mean, what they mean by that is it could be anything. Oh, you, you, you know, you worship the mm. trees or worship the stars or you, you fill in the blank with whatever God you want. And that's what they mean by a spiritual track. Mm. So you have to really be careful and, and define it as Christ-centered recovery. So we're going to launch a Christ-centered yeah. recovery. And, and then that means the right. leaders must know Jesus. So you will have people yes. that have come from okay. secular recovery. Oh, I've got 30 years in AA or I've got... 45 years in, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in anonymous or whatever. I mean, they may have great secular recovery, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now they're going to be leading people through a scriptural Christ-centered pathway. 
So be very careful. And the old right. the old timers that that come, they'll get very upset. What do you mean? I'm not qualified. I mean, I hadn't had a drink in 30 years, you know. And I've got I've, I've AA meetings two or three times a day. Well, if your church is doing Christ-centered recovery, it means they must know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So salvation, sobriety, yeah. and sanctification. Yeah, which actually the sanctification piece is really about they're on a movement with Jesus together. Um, And you're going to need that Holy Spirit piece for sure if you're going to take this kind of ministry on. So do you allow anyone to join? Do you control for membership? Do you tell them that, you know, they have to be serious about recovery if they uh, fall off the wagon or um, just drop off? Do you hustle after them? Do you make them own their their recovery so that you don't go after them. I, I have a million questions, obviously, <laughs> about how that how the membership piece works. Yeah, I think this should be a series of podcasts because there's a lot of questions to answer right there. I, I suggest that you do that. You should do, yeah. as part of your ministry, a whole series of podcasts and we can learn. Well, wow. I don't know if that's the Lord or Carolyn speaking that God is <laughs> It might be Steve Gladen. Steve Gladen <laughs> likes to to put ideas in people's heads about what they could be doing for the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the open door um, to a recovery mm-hmm. meeting. And, and I, I like to use that. In fact, on, on my website, and I'll tell you more about it later, but there's a picture of a guy walking through an open door. Um, I like to think of recovery groups and support groups having um, a perpetual open door. I just think it's a beautiful picture of the love of mm. God. You know, what could you possibly do to separate yourself from the love of God? You know, R- Romans 8 tells us we can't. There's nothing we can do eight, yeah. to separate from our love. And so I like to think of groups having that open door. Now, does the door stay open all the time? That, that that's a hard question because I I've actually had some situations right. where I've had to uninvite people. And I've even said to people, look, my job is to invite people to group. I hate the fact that I'm having to uninvite you. But if a person is disruptive, mm-hmm. if a person is not in the right room, let's say, um, then it's a, it's a hard mm-hmm. one-on-one conversation that has to happen for the health of the group. But, you know, ultimately a church uh, or a ministry is going to have to decide, you know, what, What's our criteria? I highly recommend uh, gender-specific groups, okay? Super important. Yes. A lot, of, a, a lot of people in recovery find themselves gravitating to the, uh, the comfort of someone else, uh, the compassion of yes. someone else who's in, in, in that hurting room. And so you really have to guard against that. Uh, the tough thing now, honestly, Carolyn, is same-sex attraction. You know, and, and I've, I've had mm. ministries that were same sex. Tra- and what, you know, so guys and guys with guys, gals with gals, but if they're attracted to each other, you see the, yes. the thing there. So ultimately right. your, your church or your ministry is going to have to decide is the group door going to stay open or is there a time when we close it? And this goes back to just any small group. Does the small group remain open? Yes. Or does it get, reach right. a point where the leader says, okay, guys, we're going to, our group is full now. We're, we're going to close in whatever language you want to use, full or yes. closed. Well, which makes sense. I feel like with recovery groups, because the level of trust and vulnerability um, that you would need, and you don't have to revisit everybody's story every time. I feel like I love the concept of the open door, um, but at some point, it seems that you would need that level of trust to deepen and you may have to close it. Yeah. 
And here's what you pray for. You pray for someone who, again, has the right criteria, you know, that comes out of the group and says, hey, I'd like to reproduce the group, you know, and I've had that. So for years, I've led a group uh, of guys who struggle with pornography for for seven years. Uh, We call it safe group. Wow. And uh, I've been able to to see that group multiply a few times as guys have have said, you know what, I'm I'm going to lead another group at another time. Uh, now we're online now, but we used to be in different locations. And so, um, and that's very rewarding, you know, as a leader to see someone oh, yeah. graduate and, and reproduce. A big part of a person's recovery is helping someone else. And, and if, you, if you're working mm-hmm. a 12-step program, that is step 12. You know, a, a, as a result of the experience we've had, now we're going to help someone else. And it's part of our recovery. So what what I'm doing with my guys is I'm I'm helping them, but it's actually I'm helping me <laughs> in in the way I'm helping them. I'm actually helping myself. Well, that that reminds me of the verse um, that says, you know, we comfort others with the comfort that Christ has given us. And so part of our sanctification and our growth is to serve others in the same way we've been served. And I think support groups, though they not may not be as focused on moving people forward, to give people a place to experience presence um, when they're going through something really hard and feel like somebody else gets it, um, that's really valuable. My thing with support groups is sometimes um, it seems like people can just marinate in there for too long, um, and it just becomes about their whole life becomes about that thing. So for example, um, I had a conversation with our care pastor about divorce, our divorce groups, and there is a curriculum and all that, but some people go through it over and over again um, because they love the community and they love the support. And we were like, I think some of these people gently need to be nudged into a regular group. So my question, Greg, is like, is that right? Like, how do you know when someone is ready to move from a recovery or support group into a typical small group with all of the different facets of discipleship? Yeah. Well, again, it becomes a teachable moment where the where the group leader or, or the recovery group uh, um, leader, you know, has to recognize uh, signs of maturity and signs of spiritual growth in a person. And it's a great thing. It, it's a rewarding conversation to have to, you know, to pull a, a, a guy or, or gal aside after the meeting and say, hey, man, I think you could be doing this. I think you could lead or I think you could lead in this ministry. Do you know this ministry is looking for someone and I see spiritual gifts in you? You are a perfect fit for that ministry. And you got to give them that holy nudge. And a lot of times they'll roll their eyes and go, oh, no, not me. I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know the books of the Bible. You know, they'll make up every excuse. But then you you become a discipler in that moment. So you're not just the group leader. You're a discipler. Yeah. And, and you, you need to show them that, hey, you don't have to be Billy Graham to step out and lead in this ministry. Right. You, know, you, you don't have to be a pastor, you know. Um, I, I, I really think it's, right. it's incumbent upon the group leader to know the people in the group and know where they're at. And Hey, Joe, you've been here five years, bro. <laughs> you know, men's ministry could really use a table <laughs> leader right now. But for recovery groups though, I've heard people who are, who, um, have, uh, you know, sobriety and are in recovery groups that it's kind of almost for life. So they have other regular small groups that they're part of, but they still have this other community. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine said he, he needs both. 
Well, now, okay, so I have an opinion on this. I'm, I'm kind of like, yes. well, I don't have a word from the Lord, but I have an opinion. Uh, <laughs> and and Because some people say, well, you need to get in Christ-centered recovery and leave all that secular recovery out there. Um, and here's 10 reasons why, you know. Uh, but I, I'm of the opinion that I, I like when a guy is solid in his, or gal is solid in their faith, attending Christ-centered meetings, but they will frequent secular meetings, Okay. Not for the purpose mm-hmm. of, you know, whacking everybody with the Bible because they won't let you do that. But you can have conversations before and after those meetings, invite them to, mm-hmm. to a Christ-centered meeting, you know, and build relationships with lost people. And I tell you, the beautiful thing, Carolyn, about uh, men and women in recovery is they want to change. I mean, and, and yeah. you can tell when people are posing and when they're fake and when they're not serious, but for the most part... I mean, people are broken. And so, they, I, you know, I, I, can, I can think of several people that I, I discipled early on out of recovery, and they're just like, Greg, tell me what to do. I'll do it. I've tried everything. You know, mm. you know tell me what I need to do. And so mm. I, I, I was refreshed by that. Like I was, I was saying earlier, I, ju- I just found that life-giving. I think there's some unique blessings that come from, and you touched on it already, and you can hear the joy in your voice. Um, but I've heard uh, John Orberg um, and others talk about recovery groups uh, being uniquely um, honest and authentic because they've already hit bottom, right? So there, there's no posing, there, there's no facade, right? Like you just said, and that small groups, regular typical church small groups would really benefit from s- from some of those dynamics. So talk to us about that. Like what are some unique things that we could learn as small group point people um, and that we could import into our typical groups that maybe show up more readily in a supporter recovery group? Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I'm thinking back to early, early on uh, as I was getting into recovery ministry at a significant phone call, I was actually at a conference at Saddleback and I was on, uh, remember pay phones? All right. There was actually a pay phone. Outside of Free. I was on okay. The listeners, Greg is not that old. <laughs> it was one of those wind up phones. You know, you had to crank it. No, I was on a pay phone outside of tent three at Battleback for those of you who remember that. But, but I called a friend of mine and he, and I was telling him about, you know, this recovery conference I was attending. And he said, Greg, I want to tell you mm-hmm. that when I got to a point in my own recovery, in my own life, where I got to a point where I needed to get help, I had to go outside of the church to get help. And when he mm, said yeah, that, it just yeah. hit me so hard. I thought, that is so wrong. That is so wrong. And I said, well, you know what? I said, "When we're going to do yeah. something about that. We're going to change that. And, and I thank God for Celebrate Recovery and other, mm. other ministries, recovery ministries and support ministries that are bringing people to the church for help. So anyway, what do we say to our what do we say to yes. our group leaders? What can we learn? Well, our our groups need mm-hmm. to be spaces and places where people can be honest and real. People don't have to have their yeah. act together. They don't have to have everything figured out. They don't have to be theologians. You know, they just have to. I, I see our small groups uh, in our church. I see them as lifeboats. You know, they get called different names, but I just see mm-hmm. them as lifeboats. I remember uh, years ago that when the movie Titanic came out, and it, they're at the last few minutes. Go back and rent it, Carolyn. It's great. Watching the last few, there's a scene 
where the guy is going through the, 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 the wreckage and he's moving through the waters in a lifeboat. Yes. He's, and yes. he's saying, is there anyone out there? Is yes. there anyone out there? And, and, and the bodies of frozen wow. passengers afloat. It's a powerful scene. I've, I've shown it at small group conferences. It's a powerful mm-hmm. scene because that is wow. a picture of what our small groups need to be like. You know, is there anybody out there? Is mm-hmm. and, and then he says this, that, that, oh, this haunts me. He says, we're too late. It's too late. We got here too late. Mm. And I don't want us, I don't want us as the body of Christ to be saying it's too late. We didn't have these recovery groups in place. We didn't have our small groups in place. We got here too late. So I just really want to encourage some people mm. out there to, you know, take that step of faith. You know, don't fly, don't fly off and, and, and jump off before you have everything ready, but take that step of faith because Carolyn, when I got into recovery ministry, I felt like I was the most unqualified person to be involved in recovery ministry. <laughs> I even said to John Baker when he was hiring me, I said, John, do you know how unqualified I am for this job? And uh, he, wow. he he knew that, that, that God was working in me. So I, I don't know who's out there that's listening wow. that, that may just feel like, wow, I don't think I can do this. I, I want to tell you, you cannot do it, but Jesus in you can. Yeah especially now more than ever. Wow. Okay. That was a prophetic word from Pastor Greg. Um, so I hope you guys were listening to that and that I, that picture of Titanic. Okay. That's a freebie. If you need to use something for your next training, there's a, uh, there's a scene you can lift and use. That is, I, I, you know, obviously Greg, you're so much more spiritual than me because I watched that and I, I was stuck on the love story, but you know, you got this whole spiritual thing out of it. So uh, kudos, kudos to you. Um, and so finally, I know we're wrapping up, but finally, um, so if a church, want to take you up on your prophetic word and to start a support group ministry or make theirs thrive a little more, maybe add some other um, needs that we've been hearing about. Um, you know, we certainly use one around anxiety and depression and and suicidal stuff. I, there's just so much um, that's it's been exposed through the pandemic. People are really pressed um, and the, it's exposing all of that. So if a church wanted to start one and um, they didn't have one already or if they wanted to make theirs more robust, what are first few like actionable steps they could take? Mm. Uh, meet with your senior pastor. Mm. Senior pastor support is huge. And as I'm saying this, I know right now there's going to be people listening and all of a sudden they're like eyes are rolling and they're falling out of their chair because <laughs> they realize they're doing recovery ministry in their church and they do not have the support of the senior pastor. And that is a difficult, yeah. that is a hard path to row. That's rowing uphill. So you've got to be on the same page with your senior pastor. Another key correct, uh, a key thing is curriculum. Yeah. You, you need to land on what your, mm. your are we going to make our own curriculum? Or, or are we going to use uh, Celebrate Recovery, which I highly recommend. I think it's the best. Uh, or, or are we going to pull from another source? But what is our path? What is the plan we're going to do? How are we going right. to move people along? You, you don't just launch off on a trip with no map. Yeah. Okay. So senior pastor support right, uh, right. curriculum, and then be willing to be patient to get the right people in the right place at the right time. Mm. Let me say that again. Be willing to be That's patient to get the right people at the right place at the right time. Uh, that's going to be super critical because the tendency is you're going to see li- people are literally going to be dying. I remember a, a guy died before we launched. Yeah. Uh, he overdosed and died. I thought we got to do this. Mm. We got to start. Oh. We got to start. And we're like, no, we're not ready. We cannot launch this this rocket <laughs> uh, 
until everything is in place. And so we've got to be ready. So be willing to be patient and uh, in in God's timing. Uh, that's that's just a few things. Honestly, I'd, I'd make myself available, Carolyn. If people want to call and uh, or, or email or whatever, I would totally make myself available to help in any way. Yeah. I want to see churches do recovery well. Oh, thank you for that. Um, so I, I want to highlight something you said earlier too in the broadcast, which is to start small. Um, I think you know instead of trying to make a big huge splash, pray for one leader that is has all the three s's yeah. um and is going to be someone who you know god will um use and can use and so i think and if i if our listener themselves comes out of this area then maybe it is them but maybe um it's not them and maybe somebody else and i think you can't go around asking people you know do you have an issue with x and do you want to lead a support group right. but i think god highlights when the timing is right I, I i agree with you i think god highlights those people um so i would say you know Pray and um, identify people and don't settle. I think you've said it multiple times. In case you guys missed it, Greg is saying don't settle for less than the person that God has brought is going to bring you. Yeah. Um, so don't rush. Right. Okay. So thank you for offering your resources. Gosh, this was so rich. Um, what is the best way people to reach you? And I will link that in our show notes. But I know you have a website, right, Greg? Uh, I do for my men's pornography group. Uh, I'm going to give my my um, email to you right now is ganderson sure. at fca.org. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if um, people know what FCA I'll link is. that to. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay. So ganderson mm-hmm. at fca.org. And uh, I would love to uh, hear from anybody that would, would like help. My website email or my website address. Let me say that again. Okay. My website address is mysafegroup.org mysafegroup.org and uh, again it's a, it's a group for men uh, but guys can reach me through that uh, there's a contact on there it goes straight to me and uh, yeah can- and then they can find out about maybe doing something like that in their own environment not necessarily to join your group but to get maybe get the resource for that absolutely yeah and I, I have a friend who uh, really his entire ministry is is men's uh, sexual integrity groups online. And I can connect uh, mm-hmm. folks with a with an online group that may fit their schedule, uh, but would certainly be glad to help. Okay. Oh, that'd be great. Um, so, Greg, I know you've been involved with the small group network from its early days. I think we met like ten years ago when it was just kind of starting going. Um, and you currently serve as a Southeast Regional Representative for the small group network. And I've seen you on our Facebook group page once in a while, so you can interact with Greg there as well and ask him questions. But we will link his contact info, and he has offered um, his services to serve the Church Big C. So, thank you for that. Hey, God bless you and your ministry, Greg. Thanks so much for this conversation. Thank you, Carolyn. You're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling's mutual. Um, And thank you all listeners for listening to Here to There. And until next time, remember, we are better together. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels.